1: So obviously you have a passion for singing and performing.
2: And narcotics.
1: (laughs) Welcome to The Rhythm of Life with me, Otur The podcast where I talk to some of my favorite celebrity friends and I find out all about their childhoods, their inspiration and what makes them tick, basically, the rhythm of their lives. Today I am joined by not only one, but two drag race superstars it is Latrice Royale and Willem now I just have to explain this before we start what I'm seeing I'm seeing masks I'm seeing wigs I'm seeing full on makeup I'm seeing glasses I'm getting the whole shebang before we even begin so I cannot wait for all of you to hear this only on the rhythm of life Welcome, Latrice and Willem. Thank you so much for coming on to my podcast, The Rhythm of Life. I really, really appreciate it.
3: First of all, let's talk about the level of disrespect this weather is. It's, it's so hateful. <laughs> I left my pool. I left my sunny Florida pool to come to this rainy-ass, dreary, drizzly, cold, should-be flowers-blooming city. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So you guys are doing Death Drop at the Garrick Theatre. How's
2: that been?
3: Uh, amazing. It's
2: nice to be employed. I like having a job.
3: <laughs> that part.
2: Uh huh. It's a Drag of the Christie murder mystery with drag queens, drag kings, and it's a whodunit. Everybody's a suspect. I've never seen so much side eye. There's no front eye. It's all side eye. Because it's been a really tough year. How
1: how was it in rehearsals when you realized, oh gosh, we're actually putting together a show now and it, it might happen?
3: right well that was that was the part we were hoping that it was going to happen because i didn't want to fly all the way over here and then get turned around and go back home because y'all have been on lockdown realness honey over here (laughs) so it's just really awesome that everything is opening back up people are excited to just get out and be social again and um see shows and have human interaction and it's just been amazing
1: Now, Willem, I am watching you on the screen for anybody who's listening. There is a colorful wig in shot. There are these glorious hoop earrings. You've got a belt. You've got a t-shirt of Rihanna. You kept putting things on and taking them off. You are clearly into the aesthetic, the art.
2: What is it that you love about
1: just styling?
2: I love accessories. Anything big that can make me look petite. Um, uh, This is my hairpin. Uh huh. I I've just always been really attracted. Like my favorite colors are shiny, fringe, clear, and free. So like yeah. all those things. I have like I have a skunk in the back. This is a pin for my podcast Race Chaser. I do it with uh with uh Alaska, <laughs> not Latrice. Um, and like I love these earrings because I was looking for white bamboo hoops forever and I couldn't find them. So I was like, fuck it, let me get some spray paint. So. I just keep spray painting them, and when I get foundation on them, I put more spray paint.
1: <laughs> oh my word! So, so Latrice, I want to talk a little bit about drag. You were born in Compton, weren't you, in the seventies? Oh. How was that mm-hmm. growing up as, as a as a young child?
3: Oh, that was uh, that was uh, definitely challenging, especially knowing that I was different than everyone else, you know, um, mm-hmm. lots of gang violence. It was, you know, toxic masculinity thugs, you know, it was just the lifestyle, either that, or you went to the military. And so, um, yeah, it was not even, a uh, option to mm-hmm. even think about trying to say that the word gay um mm. during that time let alone drag you know what i mean so it was different definitely a different time and uh we evolved and have come a long way since then
1: do you think it's a cultural thing especially in in the black community i'm south african or it's it's just the, the environment what what is it about about expressing your sexuality fe- in black like, brings up fear in people
3: well, especially in the black community, uh, we definitely uh are challenged because we come from mostly uh, you know, a religious background, you know, um, and mm-hmm. so they they beat us over the head with the Bible and tell us that God hates us and that we're gonna go to hell. And all those things are so untrue and it's um it, it wasn't until I got older and started realizing that my faith is the only thing that I have that's personal with me and my higher power, I don't have to prove to anybody else how or what I believe in, you know? And mm. so, uh, it, it took a lot of growth and, um, not giving a shit really, uh, <laughs> like ultimately, yeah. um, and then, you know, and so like I have, we, I come from, from five boys. I'm the youngest of five boys. So all my brothers oh. were definitely the ladies men and womanizers and lots of girls over and you know, all that. And that was not my Jewish. (laughs)
1: Yeah. But when, when was the first moment where you realized, Oh wow. I think I'm different.
3: I used to look at in in America, we have the store called Sears, Sears and robot. They used to have, um, the underwear catalog in the, there's a big book in the catalog and the men's underwear section um, I used to always stare at, and I, oh, <laughs> for obvious reason. <laughs>
1: and you used to stare at that. I love that. And and for you, Willem, you grew up in Philadelphia, didn't you?
2: Philly and Florida. Um, and my family was really religious too. But um, my dad was one of five, and my mom's one of five. And my mom had a brother who was probably bisexual. He's dead, so we don't really know. But you know, there were pictures of him in drag, and then. My dad Yay. has a gay brother and a gay sister. So, like, my mom knew when I was three years old, she said. She wrote it in my baby book. She said he's either gay or a ballerina. So, like, I'm, I am <laughs> I think part of the reason that I'm so overconfident and I'm such a zesty mother yeah. is that my parents, like, just supported me from the beginning. And there was no, like, Billy Elliot situation where, like, they didn't. And they always just encouraged me to be who I was and artistic, nice. which I'm really lucky to have. I think... The world, um, the world needs more parents like that just because there's so many like kids that get repressed and can't do that. I think my parents should have discouraged me a little bit because I am very overconfident. <laughs> I have way too much zeal for life and I'm way too slick with my mouth. Um, you know, my dad tried to raise like, I, I played every sport that he wanted to. He was the coach for things. Um, and like, he taught me like, He taught me how to, like, be a man and everything. But, like, he never forced anything on me. Um, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Yeah. Like, I would get in fights and stuff. And he'd be like, well, what happened? And I would tell him. And he'd be like, okay. Like, I I went to jail for, like, defending myself for something, for battery. And it's, like, something that I told him. I was like, somebody hit me. And I hit them back. And that was always the rule. You can defend yourself, but don't start no shit you can't finish.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Like, I feel like my parents were very about that. My mom was from Philly. Like, she's, she did not have an easy upbringing. And they just wanted a better life for me than they had. And they knew that there was no in the gay. They knew they couldn't get it out of me. So they were just like, do your thing, wear condoms. Uh, my mom was a nurse. So, like, she just tried to, like... She worked in Philly and there was, like, you know, AIDS epidemic in the 80s and 90s. And she was always just, like, yeah. hoping that I would survive, she said. She's like, as a mother of a gay mm-hmm. kid there's so many things that you think about that, like, could hurt you. So she always said she didn't want to be one of those factors in my life that could hurt me. So she always just tried to encourage me, and I think that it worked out pretty good.
1: Yeah. Now, now knowing that the two of you have such different upbringings, how do you feel like the, those childhood years um, affected you or influenced you today?
3: Well, I feel like um, everything that I've been through, and uh, persevered through has built me into the person I am today. So, you know, my mother was a very strong willed woman. She uh, was a single mother who was never scared to take a chance and a risk on improving our situation. And Mm -hmm. I learned a lot from my mother and she instilled a lot of uh, behaviors that I still carry to this day Um, because they work, you know, they they work and it keeps yeah. me at a place where I'm um always excelling and leveling up in life and it's just a part of growth.
2: Yeah. I forgot the question. But I agree with Latrice. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, I'm just
1: saying as a child, how did those childhood memories or or events influence you to be who you are today?
2: Um my, my mom is the only one out of five kids to get out of Philly. And um, I loved where I grew up uh, in Philly and then Florida. But it was paradise. It's called Cocoa Beach. It's where I Dream of Genie was from. But I always yeah. knew that, like, it was too small for me and that I always wanted to go back to the city, either Philly or New York. And they, they told me that it's okay. It's okay to try. If you fail, so what? You try. You'll never know unless you... And it was always, like, okay just to do whatever. And to like, as long as you like, didn't get arrested, mm. you didn't speed, um, like stupid stuff like that. Like we have rules and everything. And like, I think I, their work ethic, uh, rubbed off on me because they both, mm. they both saw from an early age that they wanted to change the situation that they were raised in themselves. And they did the best that they could as parents to try to instill that in me too. And you know, there was nothing wrong with how they raised me, but I'm, I'm glad that mm. I'm glad I didn't stay where I was because I would have ended up working in a theme park and I probably would have ended up really unhappy. So they always just told me like, there was no money for college. They're like, good luck, you know, do your thing. We'll, we'll help you if we can. And, um, they've always just been really supportive. My dad comes to my shows and tips me twenties. My mom only tips me five. She's a bitch. <laughs>
1: And look at you now. You're in the West End without college, and you were not for it. West End with the my,
2: best, with my right. best friend is the best <laughs> end. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you.
0: Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello, Fresh! Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
1: That, I want to know how is it like coming out of a place like Compton and. And actually saying, I'm going to be free and I'm going to be who I am.
3: Well, it, um, it feels amazing because, you know, that's the whole thing is you want to break out, you know, and mm-hmm. um, you don't have um, the means. And so you just have to try to figure out what's your journey going to be and how you're gonna make it happen but you have to take a that that initial leap of faith because if you don't you'll never know if you can fly or not and so um i i jumped and um luckily i have been spreading my wings ever since
1: are there any regrets that the two of you might have that you might have done as teenagers um
2: I'm
3: sad I didn't know Latrice earlier. Ah, <laughs> sweet. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, um, being from L.A. and the Los Angeles area, it's unfortunate that I didn't get a chance to come out sooner mm. and experience uh, acceptance earlier in life. But I had to go find myself. And, yeah. uh, you know, you, you do that through discovery. and yeah, No regrets, though.
1: No, good. I have, I have a friend, Johannes, and he's also from South Africa. And he said he's coming out um, kind of process was really heartbreaking because he had to tell his, his mom and his aunt because his dad wasn't really a part of his life. But it was hard to come out of to his friends because his friends always thought, okay, this guy was like the rugby guy, the football guy. How did people take it when you actually
2: came out? Honey, I'll take it. Give me his number. He
1: sounds cute. Actually, do you know what? I will. You will love him. You will love him.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. I'm down.
1: (laughs) Literally, how was it when you spoke to your family or anything like that? Oh, you know
3: what? I didn't speak to my family. Like, that was the whole point. I left. I left. So, I didn't care what they thought at that point because Mm. they weren't feeding they weren't feeding or financing me. There's really three Fs, so I'll leave one of them out uh, because that would be incest. But they were not feeding or financing <laughs> me, so I really didn't care. And I wasn't asking. <laughs> I wasn't... <laughs> um, but I wasn't asking them for anything. And so what I was not going to ask them for anymore was their acceptance and their love. Uh, so I learned to love myself. I found my uh, my um, solace through... Extended family and friends who accepted me and taught me my ways and um, let me know that when I was being shady and do, being less than a friend or less than a good person, I learned that from experience. And um, I'm grateful for that. And I'm glad now that my family and I have reconciled and we are in a wonderful place, a, yeah. like an amazing place. Um, but it took a lot of growth and a lot of forgiveness but we're here. Oh my goodness,
1: (laughs) I love that. I love that. Now, now let's move on to drag. It is a phenomenon. It is, like, everyone is obsessed with it. What was
2: your first experience of it? My first time doing drag that I can remember was being, like, four years old. Me and my sister. I I had this one aunt. Her name was Aunt Gigi. She was my grandma's sister, and she only had one eye, and she was a little. Um, So we would take all of her costume jewelry... And see who could put on the most, and then like jump in the pool just to be little bastard kids, um, <laughs> and then she would yell at us because we, we would it, jump it, it, from it. the roof into the pool. <laughs> She's like, "I'm telling your parents, we're like, you didn't see that right? We didn't jump <laughs> in the roof. You, you're crazy. We totally gaslit her." Um, but <laughs> it was fine. So I started doing drag like that, and then. I remember, like, dressing up for Halloween. I would start planning my Halloween in January. I'd be like, Mom, I got these earrings for Halloween. She's like, those are going to need to go in my room. <laughs> and then she was wearing them in, like, March or something for Easter. And I was like, no, those are mine. My first real, real drag, though, like, when I got to go out, my dad uh, drove me to Rocky Horror and would sit in the car oh. and wait for me from, like, midnight to two 2.30 in the morning. And then he would drive me home after uh, he wanted me to be safe. And, uh, you know, he was probably just smoking a bowl in the car. Okay. Um, but uh, that was my first drag drag at, like, 13. And I Rocky Horror is a lot of people's, like, gateway drag, I call it, or gateway drag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, watching people on TV, like on, like, Ricky Lake and Maury Povich and stuff like that. Um, I think I saw Coco Peru and Trick. And um, I remember knowing who Divine and Sylvester were growing up. And then when I was nine... I saw Lady Bunny in New York, and I just remember thinking, like, "Oh my god!" Yes. Like Lady Bunny to a nine-year-old, you're like, "Who gave that Barbie steroids?"
3: <laughs>
2: like, and now, and now I get to work with her, and I have I have a voice message on my phone that I'll never delete from her because it's same. just like it's crazy when like someone like Lady Bunny is calling. It's same. Yeah, she leaves the nastiest right. ass messages too. She does. She runs- <laughs> The bottom one is from seven thirty eighteen. So like oh, three word. years ago. But I will never delete it and I cannot play it. Not
3: here. You <laughs> can't? Uh-uh. I'm gonna see if I find mine. I found mine. Let me see I am gonna play mine. Let me see what she says.
1: <laughs> this is gonna this is a world premiere. This is a world premiere to Lady I by the-
2: love
3: <laughs> Savoring your nuts. Oh, your <laughs> nuts. <laughs> Sweet and
2: chocolatey nice. And yes, you may record that audio and use it in the commercial.
3: <laughs> we well, got the, we got clearance. You heard that. You got oh, clearance. Yeah. I love that. You got the clearance. Oh my <laughs>
1: God, What an icon! What an. That makes you, you just both amazing, amazing. Even what, Latrice? What was your first experience with drag?
3: Oh, girl, it was Halloween. <laughs> I did it on a dare. I was Wanda from In Living Color, honey, Bucks, the OG, the OG drag queen, honey. Wanda, hey, I'll rock what? your world. Hey. Okay, I'm ready right to go. Uh-huh. Yeah, I looked a hot mess, but that was my first very, like, failed attempt, but it was fun. And then I, like, the next time I did it was, um, I was doing an amateur contest. But I didn't have no wig or shoes or anything. And my friends were like, we'll make up something, bitch. They put a turban on my head. I had no shoes. I went up there trying to do a lyrical dance, please. And they looked at me and were like, no, ma'am, Pam, not up here. Not up in here. Get her. Seize her. Get her.
1: Now, for me, from the outside, my my, my view of... of- kind of drag was the makeup and it's not just any makeup because anybody can do it easily i think drag is just the the artistry you know it's the moving the doing of the eyebrows the the lips and the whole look how does how long does it take and how does it make you feel when you get to paint you, you beat your face to full
2: capacity
3: you no, know, when you got a canvas like this, you know, it don't yes. take my time. When the bones are good,
2: the rest don't matter.
3: But it don't matter. Honey. All you need is a little lip, a little blush, and, you know, you see the rest.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, So when you start creating that, does it take practice? Does somebody teach you?
3: Oh, darling, we're still practicing. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It is never, it's all, you know, makeup is all, the trends are always evolving. And so Mm. um, if you're that girl, like we are that girl, we're always trying to evolve and try new things and, you know, trying to be on top of, you know, new looks and new trends so we don't look busted and old and outdated. So it's ever changing and ever evolving. And that's what we do.
2: Yeah. I love makeup, but I'm not that great at it. I don't like blending. So I started a makeup company and I just put glitter everywhere that you could blend. So yeah. that makes it easier because in my mind, my drag, it's like, all you really need is a good lip, a good lash, and then some glitter. And then the rest mm. is just like, yeah, there's other stuff going on. But all you re- when, if you drew a cartoon of a drag queen, you would draw like her lips, then you would draw like some lashes and then like some sparkle and some stars. So that's what I basically, lowest common denominator, reduce my drag down to. Do. And that's why I started Suck Less Face and Body, which is my makeup company, which is called that because they sued me when I tried to call it Cover Boy. (laughs) Those Cover Girl (laughs) people don't play. They don't. They like their label, baby, protect it. They said, no, no, no.
1: And let's talk about the dresses and the body, because there's a lot of shaping that happens and a lot of people might not know what, what happens. What do you put in the body or how do you actually shape your body to look so amazing?
3: Willem works out.
2: Yeah, I work out, but I also <laughs> had a bunch of lipo when I was 20 and 21, and it, it kind of helped. And then I had my under here sucked out. I get Botox. I get a little bit of filler in my lip.
1: I love that. Why is
2: that? Because I want to be beautiful. <laughs> I want to look how I, how the people that draw cartoons of me look. And, like, Botox I get because I don't want wrinkles, and I live in L.A., and your face is not allowed to move if you live in Los Angeles.
3: True story.
2: I, I make myself a better version of myself. I get one side of my lips done because my sister kicked me in the face and my lips are uneven and I have scar tissue. So I have like this side a little bit pumped. And then there was a little bit left in the vial. So I was like, shove it in the bottom lip. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I do.
1: Thank you so much. That is part one of the Rhythm of Life. Thank you so much, William and Latrice, for joining me. Are you going to be able to stay with me for part two and we talk more about kicking in the faces? Yeah,
3: of course.